It's, it's good to be in the Lord's house. Uh, I'm glad that you're with us today. Uh, Angie and I took the week off this past week. I, I may talk about that here in a little bit uh, uh, more, but uh, we, went, uh, we went snow skiing. Angie and I did. It was our Christmas gift to each other. Uh, we didn't give each other a gift at Christmas time. This was it. And so we went to our favorite place, Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and skied down Wolf Creek Mountain. Skied for four days. Uh, we've been there like five or six times before, but it's always been with the kids during spring break. And uh, it's always in March. And when, whenever Arkansas has spring break, it either coincides with Oklahoma or Texas. And so there will be as many as four or 5,000 people on that mountain during spring break. I mean, it's just chaos, people everywhere. Well, we went in January this year, just Angie and I, and there were maybe 500 people up there. And I mean, it was just, it was absolutely awesome, all right? Uh, there is something to be said of getting the kids out of your house. I, I just... <laughs> I just got to, you know, we had a, we had a great time. I've, I've actually uh, been skiing most of my life. The first time I went skiing, I was like 15 years old and, and uh, went with some buddies and they took me on top of the mountain and said, good luck. <laughs> and that's how I learned how to snow ski. But I skied all, all during uh, uh, high school and into college and then took a long break from snow skiing until uh, we moved here and, and we had our kids here, and, and we, just, we just enjoy going. I am not a great skier. I've, no way was I the best skier on the mountain this past week, but I tell you what, I was with the best-looking girl <laughs> on the mountain this past week, and uh, we had a wonderful time. Only, somebody asked me, how many times did you fall? I only fell one time. And uh, uh, Angie and I explored a new part of the mountain that we had never been down before, and that was a disaster. We shouldn't have even tried that uh, because we didn't know any of the slopes over there. And we decided to come down this one. I think it was called Serendipity, and uh, you know, it was a mistake. It was supposed to be a, a blue, uh, uh, blue, whatever intermediate it was not blue I mean it was it was like black the most difficult there's trees everywhere and moguls everywhere and, and we were trying to make our way down this mountain Jason and and Angie was behind me and I went around this way and went over a tree in through a tree I actually went into a tree she hit a tree on that side and we came together right in the middle and <laughs> and uh, we collided and you would think with this mass compared to that little thing I would have killed her but it was the other way around right <laughs> She, she hit me so hard, it knocked my skis off, and I went tumbling down the mountain, and uh, I heard things crack, and, but we're okay. What a, what a great time we had, and thank, thank you, church, for allowing us to do that. Uh, there's an innovative woman in London by the name of Lorlette Hansen. She came up with a new way of encouraging underachieving youngsters. Miss Hansen was raised by her grandmother, who taught her about life by constantly sharing with her wise sayings and Jamaican proverbs. Now Miss Hansen has tracked down and preserved a collection of these proverbs from other Caribbean sources. She explains, Some of the sayings I remember myself as I was fed these Jamaican proverbs as a child. I had a whole diet of them. She has collected and packaged 52 of these proverbs, and they have been printed on a set of cards and published under the title, Things Mama Used to Say. I like that, don't you? Things Mama Used to Say. 
This product has uh, an award, has become an award winner in England and is being widely used by educators working with minority youth. Here's what the publisher says. They provide food for thought, lessons for living, and keen observations of how to successfully navigate your life journey. Well, things Mama used to say is a good idea, but let me tell you, it's not a new idea. The Bible came up with the idea almost 3,000 years ago, and the book of Proverbs gives us not just 52, but over 900 verses that provide food for thought, lessons for living, and keen observations about how you can successfully navigate your life journey. We could call the book of Proverbs things Papa Solomon used to say. (laughs) Or maybe better than that, we can call Proverbs things our Heavenly Father wants to say to us today. Here's the cool thing about the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. That coincides with generally how many days there are in a month's time. And Here's what I'm doing this year in 2019. Every morning I have my devotional time where I read a segment of Scripture and I'm reading my way through the Bible. But at nighttime, right before I go to sleep, the last thing I do before I close my eyes and go to sleep on my pillow is read one proverb, one chapter of proverb that coincides with that day's date. For example, tonight, the last thing I'm going to do before I go to sleep is I'll pull out my iPhone and pull, pull up my, my Bible on my iPhone and I will read the chapter of Proverbs that coincides with today's date. So today I will read Proverbs 27. And here's the cool thing. If you calculate this, and for those of you who are Jeffro Bodine minded, all right, you can do it pretty easy. If I do that every night of every week of every month, by the end of the year, I will have read Proverbs how many times? Twelve whole times. And what a great thing to do. Before you go to bed at night, read these wise sayings and meditate on them through your sleep. One of the most frequent themes in the book of Proverbs is the importance of being diligent in life. And things both Small and large, we need to pay attention to these things if we want to grow and mature in our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you remember I preached on our goal for 2019. And I challenged you with making your primary goal in 2019 to grow up spiritually, to become the mature believer that God wants you to be. We looked at a passage of Scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians When Paul said, you need to get off of the milk of the word and into the meat of the word. And so I'm going to pick up on that this morning and share with you how you can practically do that through 2019. If you want to mature and grow, here are some disciplines that you need to be diligent in doing. There are three of them, and we'll look at several verses in Proverbs. The first is this, you need to apply yourself. If you're going to grow spiritually and be all that you can be in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you must apply yourself. So here's what you need to do. You need to go home this afternoon and just sit down and have a conversation 
with yourself. Do you ever do that? There you go, Jason. Thank you. You need to talk to yourself this afternoon. And you need to say to yourself something like this. You know what? God has created me to be special for him. And let me just stop right there and say this. He has. God has made you special. There is no one on the universe who has ever been or ever will be just like you. You're the only one with your DNA. God specifically created you for something good and great. So you tell yourself, God has created me to be special for him, to live for him in the abundant life that he has for me to live, to be as effective as I can be during my temporary tour of duty while I'm here on planet Earth. So I've got to keep growing. I've got to keep learning. I've got to keep developing, and I've got to keep improving myself for the sake of Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. That's the talk you need to have with yourself today. And really, that is one of the underlying themes of the book of Proverbs. We should be growing in wisdom every day. We should be applying ourselves to growth. You need to go through the book of Proverbs and study this this constant refrain that is found again and again. Here it is. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that you can be wiser, that you can do better, that you can learn to live on a higher level. Now, notice how this theme shows up in a single word that appears several times in the book of Proverbs. The first time is in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to throw it up here on the screen. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and, read that last line with me, apply your heart to understanding. We're going to skip over to Proverbs chapter 22. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And, read this with me, apply your heart to my knowledge. Now the next chapter, Proverbs 23. Read this first line. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. So we have that word that appears three times there, the word apply. And the Bible is telling us we need to apply our hearts to understanding. We need to apply our hearts to knowledge. We need to apply our hearts to instruction. So there comes a point in life where we have to be proactive and we must become diligent and take charge of our own lives, applying ourselves and doing whatever we need to do to improve ourselves so that we can live to our fullest potential in Jesus Christ. Doing nothing... Doing absolutely nothing leaves you with nothing. (laughs) So you need to do something, man. You need to apply yourself and be the best you that you were made to be. As a preacher and a public speaker, I've often been encouraged by the example of uh, Demosthenes. Demosthenes was the father of oratory, of Greek oratory. Uh, he had a, a strange beginning. He was, he was born as a little weak child. He just barely lived. He had a speech impediment, and he had a slooped-over shoulder like this. And, and when he was only seven years old, his dad died, 
And uh, his dad was a, a wealthy man at the time, however, and had a big sword factory and had left the sword factory to his son when he became 18. He was supposed to take over, but the men who were in charge of the company until that time, uh, they wasted all the, the money of the company and, and actually they gambled it away. So when don't, uh, Demosthenes was 18 years old, instead of inheriting this, this fortune, he had nothing. But he did have a dream, an aspiration to go to the Colosseum in Athens and to speak in front of people. And so as a young man, he went there, journeyed there, and he stood up in front of the great orators in the Greek culture, and he spoke to them. He gave his speech, but it ended poorly. <laughs> they actually laughed him off the stage. It ended in, in humiliation, but he didn't give up. He went to the coast and there he met with a wise friend who told him, you know what, with enough work you can be a great orator. And so here's what he did. He cut off the beard on one side of his face, shaved it off. He was a half-bearded man. So that he would not be tempted to go back into society until he had learned to speak. And so he used the crashing of the ocean as a sounding board in which to strengthen his voice. He picked up small pebbles and he put them in his mouth to improve his enunciation and his diction. He would shout out his speeches while running uphill to increase the volume in his lung capacity. He suspended a sword over his shoulder to correct that problem with his posture. And so after a couple of years of, of doing all these things, he went back to Athens and stood before the assembly. And there he spoke to the greatest orators of his day. And this time, at the end of his speech, all the people stood up and shouted, Yes, yes, we will follow that man. Wow, what a transformation. You see, Demosthenes was intent on improving himself. And my point is simply this. No matter what it is that you're doing right now, you can do it better. Whatever God has called you to do, you can do that thing better than you're doing it right now. Whatever your profession, whatever your hobby, whatever your ministry, whatever your skill, whatever your gift, you can develop that and improve that, and you can be better. This is true of children who want to grow up and become the person God made them to be. We need to encourage our kids to do that. It's also true of our teenagers who want to become the men and women that God made them to be and the men and women that God can greatly use. It's also true of those of us in, in middle life who are wondering if we're now on the downhill slide of life. And it's also true for older folks who think that they have reached an age where there is little reason to keep plugging along and improving. The great novelist Pearl Buck was asked on her 80th birthday if she wished to be young again. She said, wish to be young again? Why no? How foolish is that? I have learned so much now that I don't want to lose it. I am far too more valuable of a person today than I was 50 years ago or 40 years ago or 30 or 20 or even 10 years ago. I have learned so much. Since I was 70. 
Wow. Guys, here's the deal. As long as we're alive, we need to keep growing. Maybe you need to muster up the energy and, and get back to school. Maybe, maybe you need to go back and finish that degree. Uh, one of the most inspiring things that happened to me when I was at Southwestern Seminary uh, was in my theology classes. I happened to notice this elderly lady showing up, and, and I thought, well, she's just a, a guest, but she appeared in several of my theology classes, and come to find out, she came week after week after week, and finally, I had a conversation with her. She was a lady that was 80 years old, and she told me, she said, I've always wanted to learn. I've had a desire to complete my degree and get a Master's of Divinity degree, and I may go on and get a Ph.D., she said, I finally have come to a point in my life where I have time to do it. And so I'm living my dream. Isn't that great? 80 years old, finishing her degree. Cool thing about it at Southwestern, they let this elderly lady go to school free. <laughs> you may have luck with that. I don't know. You know what? You, you need to do it. You need to grow. Maybe you need to get involved in that ladies' Bible study on Tuesday night. And stretch your faith. Maybe you need to start exercising and develop a workout plan. Maybe you need to learn how to spend an hour with God a day. Maybe you need to memorize that scripture or that book of the Bible you've been reading. Maybe you need to change your dietary habits. Just take charge and prayerfully begin applying yourself to be the best person you can be for the glory of God. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote when he said, Outwardly we are perishing, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And I also love Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 out of the message translation. It says, The ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. And I think that needs to be our goal. We need to grow. No matter where you are in your life's journey, you need to become better. And you do that by applying yourself. Second application of diligence is seen in the way, get this, that we accept correction. Oh boy. Oh boy. Now, I'm not talking about criticism, but I am referring to receiving correction from friends and family members that love you and have your best at their heart. And specifically, I'm referring to receiving correction from God himself. Guys, we need their insights if we are going to improve. This theme winds its way through Proverbs almost like an unbroken ribbon. Uh, there are numerous verses I could share, but I've picked out five of them for you. What about Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12? It says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. And then what about Proverbs 9, 9? Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 10, 17. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. 
Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. And that's out of the New King James translation. I was told a long time ago, don't say that word from behind the pulpit, but hey, it's in the Bible. If you hate correction, you know what you are? You're stupid, man. And then what about Proverbs 13, verse 1? A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer refuses to listen to rebuke. You know, I know a lot of people who hate correction. Are you one of those people? You try to help them. You try to tell them something. You try to admonish them. And all you get back is angry resentment. Now, how do I know that about people? Well, I, I talk to people all the time. You know what? Sometimes I'm that way. Have you ever been that way? Have you ever been the person who has hated correction? When someone came to you and, and genuinely, out of love, wanted to correct you so that you could be a better person, but you, you resented it. You become angry. Yeah, there you go, man. I can remember when I was a, a student at Randall, which used to be Hillsdale. I was there as a preacher boy. And, and uh, one night, one Friday night, me and some of my buddies at, in college got with some of the young people at the church that we attended. And we went out and we just had fun. We didn't do anything bad. We just did a few things that were kind of ornery, Ronnie. You know, it wasn't bad. I shouldn't be telling you this, should I? The next day on Monday, or after the weekend on Monday, the youth pastor of that church came to see me. And I was surprised to see him. I said, hey, hey buddy, how you doing, man? He said, well, we need to talk, dude. I said, what's up? He said, well, I, I heard about what you guys did Friday night, and, you know, I don't think you're being a very good example to the kids in my youth group. And right then I built the wall. I said, dude, what are you talking about, man? I was about ready to fight him, Jason. But you know what? Out of love, he rebuked me. And at first, I resented it. Have you ever been like that? You resent it. But you know what? Then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And he began teaching me and telling me, you know, Will, he's right. You need to really watch what you do and what you say, no matter who you're around. Because you are an example of what... You're supposed to be as a Christian. You know what? When we become angry and when we become resentful, when correction is applied to our life, the book of Proverbs says that kind of person is a fool. You're a fool if you reject correction. The wise person is eager for help. They are humble enough to accept advice and correction and counsel. How do I know this is true? The Bible tells me. Again, several verses in Proverbs, but I'm just going to give four of them to you. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 13, 18, Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Proverbs 15, 5, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is what? They're prudent. Proverbs 15, 32, he who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And then one of my favorites, Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So we accept correction. And just in a parenthesis form, if God uses you to be the vessel who goes and corrects someone, if you have to go and rebuke someone, please do that out of humility and out of love. I get it. It goes a long way in helping that other person realize the road that they're going down is wrong and making correction. Finally, being diligent in life means that we commit ourselves to working hard. So church, if you want to be everything God made you to be, and if you want to grow in 2019, you need to do these three things. Number one, you apply yourself. Number two, you accept correction when it comes. And number three, you work hard. The verses that speak to this in the book of Proverbs are too numerous to read, so I've just picked out a few of them. Proverbs 6, 6 and 8. I love this example. He says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So there we can learn a lesson from the ant. Angie reminded me, I was preaching this sermon to her yesterday on our 14-hour drive back to Fort Smith, and uh, she started singing a little song about the ant. Come on. Come on. Y'all want to hear this, don't you? Come on. Come on. Yeah, there you go. Just sing us the song. Go watch the ant, you lazy person. Watch what they do. And be wise. There we go. Isn't that great? What, what was that on? It was a Max Lucado. And, and every day when Angie was taking our little ones to school, to Greenwood, they would, they would listen to that. Yeah. So there you go. We could learn from the ant. Proverbs 10, 4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 12, 11. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. And then I'm digging Proverbs 12, 27. It's out of the message. A lazy life is an empty life, but early to rise... Gets the job done, right? So work hard. Sabine Gould was the man who wrote the great hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. He was an incredibly prolific man. He pastored his village church. He taught college. He dabbled in archaeology. He he published travel guides. And for many years, he published a new novel annually. He became an authority on British folk music. And no one really knows how many other books and publications he penned in his lifetime. Sabine Gould declared that he often did his best work when he felt least inclined to apply apply himself to the task before him. Rather than waiting for inspiration, he would just plunge into his work and plod along until it was completed. He said, the secret is simply that I stick to a task when I begin it. 
He went on to say, it would never do to wait from day to day for some moments that might seem favorable for work. Now, that's one way of saying it. I kind of kind of reminds me of the great basketball player Jerry West. I like the way he said it best. He said, you can't get much done in life if you only work on the days when you feel like working. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I know there are times in life when we need to relax our minds and our bodies. God didn't make us machines that just pound away 24 hours a day. In fact, Jesus himself told his disciples that they needed a break, that they needed to come apart, lest they come apart. <laughs> they needed to relax, to chill, to take some time off. That's what Angie and I did this past week, and, and it, it nourished our spiritual being. It, it helped us. You need to do that as well. But... By and large, God didn't make us to just sit around and waste time. He didn't create you to sit in front of a TV and just watch TV all day. Or to watch movies. Or to sit there and just play video games. Or to troll on Facebook. <laughs> My point is this. We only have a few years to accomplish all that God wants us to do. So we need to work hard. The Bible tells us we should number our days that we may present to God a heart of wisdom. That we should redeem the time because the days are evil. That we should occupy till he comes because time is drawing short. We need to be about our father's business. So that one day he will look into our face and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. This very process I'm talking about is the process of sanctification. Where God is wanting us to grow. Listen to me. God wants you to mature. He wants you to grow. He wants you to become all he intends you to be and to do all he intends for you to do. But for that to happen, you've got to cooperate. You have to be diligent. You must pay attention to things both large and small in your life. And you know what this means? This means that in 2019, we need to, number one, apply ourselves. We need to get it done. We need to accept correction when it comes into our life. And we need to work hard. As we do, the God who has begun a good work in us, We'll see it through to completion. So here's what I'm asking of you today. That, that you make a conscious decision. That you come today and you pray to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm giving you my life, my body, my mind, my spirit, all that I have, all that I am. In 2019, I want to be better than I was in 2018. Tomorrow, I want to be better than I am today. And so, Lord, today... January the 27th, 2019, I am giving my life completely to you. I'm going to apply myself, Lord. When you send correction into my life, I'm going to heed that correction because I want to be the best me I can be for you. And Lord, I promise, this year I'm going to work harder than I've ever worked to become the best person for you 
that I can be.